Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Mike Carroll. Mike, where are you at and what are you up to? Uh, Houston, Texas. Well, Houston area, Katie, we're at West Houston. Um, right now, uh, we are uh, the club that I work for, SG1 Soccer Club, is uh, in our summer training programs, um, which is the majority of it is uh, technical training because we don't do a lot of that during the seasons. Uh, we're mostly built around positional play training and the cognitive aspects of player development. Um, but uh, uh, in the off seasons, we do a lot of, uh, we do a lot more technical work just to make sure the kids are getting their touches in. Um, and uh, practices are voluntary, right? A lot of kids are on vacation and, and whatnot. So uh, yeah, we're just, we're just in our summer sessions right now. At SG1 Soccer, what are the kind of age groups that you all deal with? Uh, we run the full gamut, boy side, girl side, uh, U5, I guess, to uh, all the way up to graduation of high school. So, uh, like we have, uh, 2006 would be our oldest group now, and most of those are seniors or going to be seniors. And how long have you been with the club? And then what is your actual job? Like, what's your role and responsibility? Um, I have been with the club just shy of three years now. Um, and my title, let me go that route, is uh, Director of Player Development. Um, it's kind of a unique title. Not a lot of those around. Um, but basically what it my job is, is to... Um, help train coaches, new coaches, uh, young coaches. That's, that's a big portion. Work with them, guide them through their development. And then uh, also uh, I'm kind of like uh, what a technical director would be, uh, but specifically for like U10 and below. Um, I've designed our uh, training methodology, our playing methodology, um, and uh, the way we communicate, all of those things, the uh, what we call the Rising Stars program, which is basically our, I don't want to call it a rec program because it has, you know, full USSF licensed coaches running it. Um, but it's, it's our youngest, least experienced groups. Um, I designed that and uh, continue to tweak and develop everything that we have at the uh, youngest age groups. So i uh, kind of got my hands in a lot of different areas of the club, I guess you could say. One of the things you mentioned first was coaching the coaches. Why is that so important for you to do? A lot of places, it's just like, oh, we found a parent to do it, and we'll just let them go. Yeah, so one of the things that um, we pride ourselves on is our culture, and I know that's kind of a, a buzzword for a lot of places. It's kind of a it's kind of all encompassing for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, for us, it's like, you know, the way you treat other people, it's our core values, it's our behaviors, our relationships and uh, your beliefs. And that's, that has to be passed along. It has to be taught. Uh, not everybody may, may have that in them. And uh, uh, we want all of our coaches to be on the same page utilizing the same uh, training techniques and methodologies and terminologies. And um, 
so in order for that to happen, I didn't want our club to be a collection of coaches, each doing their own thing. I, I wanted, I wanted everybody to be in sync in line, know each other, which is a big deal. I'm surprised at how many clubs coaches just don't know each other. And it's crazy to me that, Oh, I've been here four years. No way. I've been here six years. How have we never met? I don't know. And so it's, it's insane to me that, 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 that exists, but, um, we're not a, a massive club by any means. So I want everybody to be on the same page and um, all working towards a common goal, thinking the same way, having the same thought processes. And the only way that that happens is if there's somebody there to pull it all together for them, right? There has to be, there has to be a, a, a common uh, leadership there in order to uh, make sure everything is in sync. So let's go all the way back. When sure. did soccer become something in your life? Were you playing as a youth? Were you in a club growing up? How did this whole kind of, how did the soccer journey start for you? So um, at, I started at age three. I started playing uh, <laughs> when I was really, really young I was uh, very fortunate. And so we're talking 1976, 1977 here. I'm, I'm way old, right? <laughs> and so um, believe it or not, uh, it was my mother and because my mother was a player and uh, my uncle, her brother um, played. Um, he, he played in college at Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, Texas. And I had a lot of really good influences um, in my life for the sport itself at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I preach to the parents that we have now is the one thing that my mother always let me do, which was take a ball anywhere I wanted to go. Right. Just just let me have it with me. Didn't matter if it was in the grocery store or in a park or in the house. Right. I took a ball everywhere with me and I just I loved the ball. And um, it really when you when you grow to love the ball and uh, then you, obviously the ball is part of the game. And so it becomes you get good relatively quick and being good is fun. And so it's it 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 just you stick with it. And uh, um, I did my my whole life. I've never been away from the game. I played all the way up into college, um, and then uh, I played in the United States Navy when I joined the Navy, and that was where I started coaching um, at uh, at a local YMCA in Bremerton, Washington, in 1997. Um, and so uh, uh, I took on a volunteer role there, and uh, I've been coaching ever since. What was the experience going through the at the Navy and what have you in terms of what thing did you pick up there that now have, have kind of helped you not just in soccer and coaching, but in life? Well, with the Navy, I was um, I joined the Navy because I wasn't very good at life. I'm going to be honest with you <laughs> when I was 18, 19. Right. I was I was I was not good at it. Right. And so um, like. Take, take my college career, which was very, very short-lived, right? 
it's apparently you still have to go to class. You can't just show up for practice. <laughs> so it's, I just did, I was not good at those things. I, I was somewhat, I hated school. I didn't want to be in school. My mom was trying to force me into some form of school. And, um, that was why I joined the Navy is because I didn't want to go to school and I was really, really bad, but it ended up being one of the most, um, fortunate moves of my life. Right. Uh, Cause I, I grew up a lot. I learned leadership, uh, which was a big one being a good, being a proper leader and knowing how to lead is a whole skill in itself. Right. And so, uh, that I uh, able to take, that into my coaching career right is was was huge for me and so um now i was ill prepared to handle four five and six year olds at age 22 right uh but (laughs) i i did the only reason i started coaching to be honest with you was because we had pulled into um port my ship that i was attached to and pulled into port in bremerton washington and uh, which is just outside Seattle at the time. And I loved being there, by the way, there was no better place to be in the world in the mid nineties than on the West coast. It was amazing. And Seattle, the grunge era, I was completely mm-hmm. into. So it was fantastic for me. Right. And, um, I started coaching, uh, the, the, I started coaching because I was told that we, we were going to be in that port for a while and we needed to go out and volunteer in the community. Right. And go do something because you're going to be here a while. We want you to go do something, be part of the community. And there was a list. The, the, the leadership gave us a list of places we could like volunteer at. And the YMCA was on the list. And so I went to the YMCA and said, hey, you know, uh, I'm here to help volunteer and whatnot. And they were like, what can you do? And I go, not very many things, um, but <laughs> I can I can I, you know, I play a little soccer and they go, good. We need coaches. Here's a bunch of four, five, and six-year-olds. Go have fun, right? Now, I had never had a coaching class. I'd never coached before. And so I kind of leaned on my own experience as a player and the coaches who I had had in the past, which is not the way to handle four, five, and six-year-olds. <laughs> it's When you've been playing at higher levels in, you know, for a long time, you can't, you can't be out there like, go do this and go do that and run. <laughs> a bunch of four, five and six year olds. And I was, I was not good. <laughs> I was not good when I started. And that, which is one of the reasons why I like working with young coaches now, because I want to be the mentor that I didn't get to have. Right. And so I tell, I mean, we have 20 and 21 year old coaches. We have 19 year old volunteers, right. That are, that are high school players for us, 18 and 19 year old volunteers that, that, you know, and they, they work with the younger kids and man, I wish I had a me when I was their age. Right. And they have such a massive advantage being in a club that values coaching development and, and growing from within. Right. And so it's a, it's a big deal. Like six of our coaches are now former, we're we're former players. Six of the closest coaches we have now are former players from our club. And they're, you know, they're 19, they're 20, they're 21, or a couple of them have gone off to college. They played in college and now they've come back and now they're, they're back with the club they came up with as coaches. And I'm working with them um, on, you know, learning to communicate with young players and um, how to engage them and 
maximize their development and and help them to want to follow you as a coach because you can't force a player to follow you they have to want to follow you and it's your job to light that fire in them right and so um that's kind of i mean i basically just explained another part of my role in a nutshell so yeah that's but yeah so when i i, I was not good when i first started coaching but i loved it i fell in love with with coaching and I knew that I, my playing career wasn't going to go much further, right? I was playing for the Navy. So <laughs> it had pretty much come to a screeching halt. And um, I was like, well, I can, I can do this. I can stay in the game. And so that was basically when I decided to start coaching. And I've been coaching in some capacity ever since, whether it was a volunteer or uh, technical only for a little bit or, or what have you before I got into club soccer. But, um, yeah, I, I've, I've been in the game and coaching ever since. When you look back, you make the comment that I wasn't good at it. How important is like self-reflection and being able to be honest with yourself? I think a lot of times we think, Oh, it's really not me. It's them type of thing that they're not developing. So it's not my fault. How big has that been for you in terms of your role as now saying, I wish I had a me that I didn't have then. Well, we, we have to take ownership of our own experiences and of our own lives. Right. And so that's the way you grow. That's the way you improve recognizing that, you know, what you need to improve upon and get better at. It's the only way that you're going to maximize who you are as a coach, as a person, all of those things, right. To, to understand, look, I'm not good at this. Right. And, and if I want to be good at it, I'm gonna have to work on this and to, and you know, this, those require um, a, a certain, like you said, inner reflection, right. Self-reflection um, looking yourself in the mirror and, and realizing, Hey, look, I can be good at it but this is what I got to get better at. This is, this is what I've got to study. This is what I've got to work on. This is what I have to practice um, in order for me to get better. I think, I think growing up in sports helps us with that, right? If I, if you want to get better technically, you got to work technically in your backyard. If you want to, you know, those kinds of things, right? So that's why I'm a big proponent of trying to get kids to play sports for as long as possible or until they find something else that they want to challenge themselves with. It honestly doesn't have to be sports. You just have to challenge yourself and, and need something in your life to push you, to make you better at whatever it is you want to be at. So you do the YMCA and you, yeah. you, you get the coaching bug and you're ready to rock and roll. I mean, how, where do you go from there? Like you're just doing that just to fill time with the Navy, but now yeah. you're like, I enjoy this. What are those next steps that you start doing to create more opportunities for yourself? So I stayed with the Y until um, I got out of the Navy, right? So there was another two years left and I just stayed with the YMCA um, until I got out of the Navy. And then I came back home and um, I wanted to stay with the YMCA because I've been working with the YMCA. So I worked with the YMCA um, in Irving, Dallas, Texas. I played for that YMCA as a kid and um, I wanted I, and so I wanted to um, work there for a little bit. And so I did. And so when I moved to Houston and met my wife and we had kids, I, I 
started working with our kids. Right. And so I was volunteering for a little bit there with my son. And um, I mean, he's almost 18 now. Right. And so one, one day uh, uh, one of the parents came up to me, actually a friend of mine said, Hey, you should like, you're like pretty, you're getting pretty good at this. You should think about getting paid to do this. And, and I said, well, I don't, I don't know about that. Do they, do they pay people to work with six year olds? And, <laughs> and he goes handsomely. And I, and I said, okay. So I, I started looking into it and that was when I um, uh, answered uh, an ad for Corver, right? Uh, technical skills type training. And so I um, learned a lot while working while working with um, some coaches that uh, were doing the Corver training here in Houston, the technical skills work. And then from there, I moved into uh, a local club and I became a club coach and um, I've stayed in club ever since. And I became full-time club only about 10 years ago. What has, what was that experience of once you have kids and you talk about the impact that your mom had and putting you in sports and letting you play, what was it like for you to now be pouring into your own kids? And what's that dynamic like of being dad and also coach? Well, I'll tell you this, being dad made me a much better coach, right? Because my patience level increased dramatically. Um, when I became, I became a dad, you can't just go around popping off all the time. And, um, I'm, I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still pretty animated as a coach, right? If you watch any video of me or anybody that comes and watches me coach, I'm animated. I'm up and I'm moving and I'm trying to communicate. I'm actually kind of loud. I'm not quiet, but I try to be positive with my vocals, Right. So I'm, I'm because I'm still competitive, right? I'm competitive internally. And so I always want to be better than yesterday. I want my players to be better than they were yesterday. And so, yeah, I get, I was, I was animated on the field when I was a player. Everything was right out there on the sleeve, the heart, the attitude, the personality. It was, it was, it was right out there. And I, I played angry and I've gotten rid of a lot of the anger, but, to, but I'm still, I'm still animated and passionate about what I do. And I'm not uh, uh, calm or, or what you would call, uh, or what you would call mellow on the sidelines by any means. I'm not one of those guys who can sit in a chair all game and just, right. It's not really, not really my thing. So, um, yeah, it, it's being a, being a parent and getting involved. And I like spending the time with my kids. Right. So, um, being, being a parent made me a, a, a better coach. And, um, I came, I came along and, uh, that was when I really started studying. I, I wanted to find a, my, I wanted to find my way at that point. Right. That was, that was about, about, 15 years or so ago, well, maybe, maybe more like 12 years. I, I, that was when I started studying really, really, really hard and wanted to be, and wanted to be really good at the job. Yeah. So yeah, about 12 years that I've really pushed myself into it hard. When you say studying and creating kind of like your own understanding, what, what did that even look like? 
Um, well, there was a lot of research done on different methodologies that were out there from technical to um, positional play, phase of play. There's, I mean, there's so many different um, schools of thought in the game, right, on how players should be developed, um, how players should play in their youth, how they should be brought along. And so I tried I tried finding the best mix that I could. So it's it's funny when people tell me, you know, when did you come up or how did you come up with your methodology? I just tell them, you know, it's really just a mixture of my own personal influences, right? And and arranged kind of in a progression. That's all it that's all it really is. And it's it's other I didn't invent any of it. It's I've I've arranged it, but I mean, in, in my own way that I feel like is best. Um, but nothing we do is a secret. Nothing our club does is a secret. It's it's out there for everybody to. There's a reason I share it for free. Right. And and it's 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 out there for everybody. And I'm not even saying my way is the right way. OK, I'm not even telling it because there's more than one way to do things. I'm saying what I do publicly is I say, look, this is what I'm doing. And these are the results I'm getting from it, right? If you like this, then here's what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. Feel free to follow. If you don't, then don't. So it's, it's, uh, it, I'm not saying my way is the right way or anything. Um, because I, I mean, we have had some success and, uh, the, our, our teams and our players, yes, they are, they are quite good for their ages. Right. And so, it's, but it's, it doesn't mean that, I mean, there's other player coaches out there doing different things. And when that's one of the reasons why I like traveling around and going to Dallas and playing against these teams from California and things like that, those teams are good too. And some of them aren't doing a lick of the same thing I'm doing. Right. And so it's, um, it's interesting to see other people's way. I still consider myself to be learning all nonstop. Now the things that I'm trying to get better at, um, are probably different than what about a lot of other coaches are trying to, to, to get better at. I'm currently doing my best to study early childhood development now and to figure out the ways that I can best communicate with players, because I know that I've got the, I've got in here, I see it. There's visions in here that I, that I know I can get into them on the field. Just you've got to learn to communicate it with the kids. Right translating it i don't expect eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds to adjust to me you can't do that right i i have to learn to communicate with them i have to learn how to be better for them and because i've seen seven eight nine-year-olds do incredible things in life i have a nine-year-old and and she's she's crazy intelligent right and she can absorb whatever you throw at, at her all, all almost all every kid can I haven't met a kid yet that couldn't eventually absorb what you were trying to give them as long as you were able to communicate it in a manner that they can understand. So that's, that's what I'm currently working on with myself is becoming a better communicator and trying to study early childhood development, which, you know, it doesn't have a lot of people wouldn't link those two things together, you know, being a soccer coach with that um, because they're not teaching that at USSF courses. Mm. 
the other thing that it seems like is there's been a constant um, theme of you working with youth players. What yeah. is it about that that has you so hyper-focused um, in terms of like, maybe it's what you were just talking about when you know that these kids can absorb like a sponge. Is it that or what other things have always just kind of, you talked about when you started, it was a struggle back at the very beginning. And now you have this love and passion. What's that? How's that all come about? Well, um, when I look, when I look at the landscape of the United States soccer, right, there's a lot of, of um, focus paid to you 13 and up from uh, they talk about, you know, development and all those other things, you know, which Academy is doing the best job. And, and you see these lists of, you know, this Academy is the best in the country and, you know, this Academy needs to improve and whatnot from MLS academies. And I'm like, well, the majority of the work needs to be done long before then. Mm. And, and so the, the putting the passion of the ball and the game into the kids doesn't happen at age 12. I mean, it happens at three, four and five, like it did for me. Right. That's, that's, that's how you, if you want your players to be better, you've got to start at three, four, five, six years old. Right. That's when you've, that's when you've got to start and you have to involve the parents and you have to like, like, I talk to parents nonstop. I do every year we do parent education in our club, right? I, I, I hold a parent education meeting for our youngest, for the, for, for the parents of our youngest players. And so I talk to them about allowing them to have the ball around the house and in the backyard and encouraging them to play. And yeah, it's, it's work to play with your kid, but you know, cause sometimes you're exhausted, right? You come home from work, you're tired and whatnot. Uh, but if that's, that's what maximizes love is what maximizes a player love for the game, love for the ball. That's what, when you, when the ball becomes the kid's favorite toy, that's when the kid starts really developing early, early, early. Right. And then they, they develop the technical and the technique all on their own in the backyard, in the living room, playing around with mom and dad. I don't have to do that. That's a job that, that that makes my job so much easier. If I can get each parent to be essentially an assistant coach for me, then I don't have to do that. I can work on cognitive player development with seven-year-olds. And so because they're already technical enough and have the technique to be able to do the things that I'm asking them to do under the types of pressure that I'm asking to do it in a positional play training. you know. So, And then all I have to do is figure out how to teach them the game. So it's, it's, um, that's, that's that methodology, right? That's part of that. That's part of that methodology. You know, it starts out with like a Tom Byer soccer starts at home, right? Mm -hmm. It starts out and, and I've worked with Tom on a couple of different things. And, um, so it starts out with, you know, that soccer starts at home and in, and, and into the Corver ball mastery and teaching parents how to do that at home. Right. And that's that Corver influence. Uh, from me and then you move into the positional play the tovo right todd beans program and and rondos and then and then the natural movement from there is into phase of play and so i've kind of just found a progression to it all that and as long as our coaches which is my job to teach them are able to communicate it 
to their players, it becomes an assembly line of just player development across all age groups. And what you end up with is, yeah, we, we, we have second teams and third teams, but those teams are pretty, pretty doggone good. Right. And, and so it's, it, it, it becomes just now, now the reason that isn't done on a wider scale in the United is because it's hard work. It, it's a lot of hard work to do everything I'm talking about. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes education. You don't just go out there and dribble through cones, right? Which I might add, we don't do at our club. We don't even have cones on the ground to dribble through, right? So it, 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 takes, a, it takes a lot of hard work to, um, to do these things, a lot of thought, a lot of planning. And a lot of people don't get into the coaching industry to work hard. And, and I, I might catch some flack for, for, for saying that you heard Kai say it last week, right? I mean, there's the, there's not a lot of very good coaches out there is what he said. And so he's not wrong. It, it takes, it's a lot of hard work to be a coach the, the right way, you know? And, um, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's, 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 it's our methodology in a nutshell, I guess. With all the the layers to your methodology and the amount of people that are like impacted by it from parents to coaches to how important was it when you went to SG1 and kind of put this out there when you first started coming in? How important has it been that leadership from the top has been open to your coming in and being like, hey, here's how I'd like to do things and their buy-in and their support? It's it, vital, absolutely vital. See, I, I have no interest to own a club, right? I don't want to deal with taxes and payroll and lights and <laughs> mowing <laughs> and, and all of these other things, right? There's a lot that goes into owning a club, and I have no desire to do any of that. I want to be on the field. I like my, I want my shoes in the grass, right? And so it was important. Um, when I left my previous club, which I'd been at for six years, it was it was important for me to find a place that was going to allow me to do me, right? If that makes any sense. And um, uh, I, I kind of knew where I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to be at SG1 before I even left. I didn't even announce that I was like, leaving publicly i didn't do that i i i called two or three places where i'd be willing to work with people i'd be willing to work for i was choosing my boss and um but sg1 was always my first choice and i told them that look what i'm gonna ask you to do is gonna be hard right because <laughs> it's the 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 i came out to a couple of practices before i took the position and i watched and they SG1 was very I always thought they were good at the older age groups. They were already pretty good, right? At the older age groups. Um, but the younger age groups needed some guidance. There there wasn't a lot of leadership down there and the younger age groups. And I told them, look, there's some things that I'm gonna ask you guys to do, which is, is it's gonna be hard. So for instance, the U8s were playing in 
like competitive leagues and they had no business being in competitive leagues. They were not good. The U7s, the U8s, and U9s, they were we were they were not good at all. And I said, look, what what we need to do is take all of these teams, build an in-house league, pull them all in-house where we can all work with them in-house. The going out and getting beat 10-0 every single game, every single week, that's not fun for anybody, right? And you're going to have to answer a lot of questions to parents who think that competitive play against other clubs and yelling from the sidelines and having coaches screaming from the other sideline is, is development is what makes players better. Cause it, but it isn't. And so, and they were like, yeah, sure. Whatever you need. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay. And so um, I just, I, I kind of turned things upside down. They were really, they were really open to whatever I, they didn't say no to me that, to this, to this day. I don't think I've still heard the word no. And I've asked for some really obs, obscene, hard things, right. <laughs> that, that where you've got to, you're going to have some questions at, you know, to answer. And so I said, some people are going to leave. That's what's going to happen. And um, some people did leave, but eventually more came. And I said, it's going to be one or two steps backwards before we take 10 steps forwards. And um, we brought in some new coaches. We let go of a couple of coaches, right? And so there were some things that really needed to be worked on. But it was, it was, it was a good club already, right? And they, they just, needed, it just, needed, it just needed some leadership in the lower age groups. Uh, the, the DOC at the time was being pulled in 900 directions and he was trying to do everything. And you can't, you can't do that. Right. He was coaching teams. I didn't know DOC is out here coaching teams and not just, you know, that's not your job <laughs> as a DOC. So, and, and so we brought in, like I said, we brought in some, some really good coaches, coaches that I knew uh, would, would do a great job for us <clears throat> and would be able to hop right in. So what I asked them to do was hard. So you've talked about like hard conversations, hard decisions, and kind of raising the bar. People here, how do you get coaches to buy in and do all of them to be on board and do the same methodology that you're preaching? How do you get parents to take a step back and like, look, give us some time, give us some patience. Like we've all kind of been in that thing, but it's a hard sell. How do you, how do you get them to buy in and then stay bought in? Yeah, it's it's really hard to get parents to see the big picture. Um, <clears throat> I have a pretty solid reputation in the city as being a, a a decent coach here, right? And even I have trouble getting parents to buy in, right? And so it's it's a you just kind of you just kind of have to say, look, some people are going to stay and some people are going to go, but the people that stay are going to see the long term reward and long term benefits. Um, I I tell this quick story about you know when when I I brought everybody in because you know my teams from my previous club were all they were good right, and so I'd played against some of the parents kids here at SG One. And so they were like, well, how long do you think it'll be before you get our young players playing the way you were playing over there? 
when I said, if I do a really, really good job, like if I kill it, right? Like, like if we knock this out of the park two years and we'll start looking the way we want to look. Right. And they looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> and so it's, they're like two years. And I'm like, yeah, this is a time consuming process. You see all these bad habits. Breaking bad habits is the hardest thing a coach has to do because most coaches have two practices a week, three hours, maybe hour and a half of practice to try to break bad habits. Right. And so it's going to take as long to break the bad habit as it took to create it. That's, that's, and, and so that's why when you look at my younger teams and you're like, how do seven and eight year olds play so well? Well, I've had them for three years now four years and they, they, we didn't build the bad habits into them from the beginning. We, we know what we don't want to build into players. We know the habits we don't want players to have. So we just don't put those in them. It's the reason we don't use cones. I don't want players learning to look down. And if you put a cone on the ground, now you got a, the object that you're trying to get around is down next to your feet. And so it's the reason I don't use cones. I I've done, Everything that we're doing is designed to, to keep players from developing the bad habits and to teach them the game. And so um, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not saying that cones don't have their use. I still use them to like mark the outline of a grid or, or whatnot, right? But we don't use them as objects. And, and so that's just one example. The, the, whole, the whole system is built around those types of ideas. And, um, and so when you're trying to overcome like the U 11s and U 12s and U 13s, those were the hardest teams to take over, mm -hmm. right? Those were those, cause they had five and six years of bad habits. And so it takes a long time for coaches to come through and say, our kids won't stop looking at their feet. They won't stop. You know, they won't make good decisions. They try to dribble against three and four other players, right? When it's and when they obviously have better plays, breaking all of those bad habits is um, something is 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 hard to do. So, at the younger age groups, we just don't build bad habits into them, and so um, that's 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 part of the the methodology and the, the progressions that we do. You mentioned earlier about putting stuff out video wise and sharing and, yeah. and what have you, how, how has social media for you personally kind of changed how you, not just your coaching, but now the ability to get your beyond just SG one. Now it can be out there for a larger audience. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the purpose of it. I don't, I don't need anybody to, to recognize our club or, me or our coaches or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make the game better everywhere if I can with, with, you know, with what I have. Um, and so that's all I, all I'm, like I said, all I'm trying to do is share what we're doing and the results we're getting from what we're doing and hoping that it can help somebody else somewhere. Um, more specifically, um, I think the people that I can help are new coaches getting into the game that if I, if I can help the future, um, then um, that, then, then I'm doing my job. 
And so that's, so whether or not, you know, anybody around here takes it and, and uses it is, is irrelevant to me. Maybe there's a guy in Ohio who likes it, right. Or, 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 or a coach in California or a coach in New York or somebody like that. If they look at it and go, Hey, I'm going to try that and I'm going to give it a real go. Right. And it works for them. Then I've helped progress us soccer in some way. Um, in another place. And that's, that's really all I'm, I'm trying to do. You know, I don't get paid for any of that. So for helping out or any of these other things. And uh, I try to be as open as I can with everybody and honest as I can with uh, everybody. And so um, that's, uh, it's all I'm trying to do is, is help the next generation. And, you know, if I can, if I can raise the level just a little bit, and then, you know, it's that, you know, rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. And so that's, that's, that's all I'm looking to do with the, the social media and the, uh, uh, and the sharing and whatnot. I could shut down all of my accounts tomorrow and it wouldn't change the way I'm doing anything on the field. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, all I'm, that's all I'm doing with, uh, with the social media stuff. One of the other things I wanted to ask about is you talked about meeting your wife, you've had some kids, what has she been like? Well, how does she work into the, the, the puzzle of Mike's obsession with developing youth soccer players in terms of support and how does she fit into the whole mix? Yeah. Um, you know, I, you take this back, uh, to the military, the hardest, the hardest job in the military is the military spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that very similar to coaching because uh, the ones who are really into it, like, like truly obsessed like me, like I come home from training at eight o'clock at night, eight thirty at night. And then I come into my office and I work more on it. Right. And it's in fresh in my head and I'm writing down my notes and I'm trying to tweak it to be better every single time, you know, and then during the day, um, I'm planning training sessions. I'm planning my, my coaches trainings and how I'm going to interact with players and coaches and, and, you know, what's the next level. And I mean, I, middle of the day call, I, I call people in the middle of the day, other coaches and go, Hey, let me run this by you real quick. What do you think of this? Right. And then we talk for like an hour and my wife is so amazing to put up with that. Right. She's she's in, she's incredible uh, to and she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't come from like a super a family that was like that. Right. Athletic athletically into sports and whatnot. She's Canadian. And so and so, you know, I mean, she had a brother, I think, that played a little hockey. But uh, the obsession with what I do and my my job is it's crazy. And then when it takes me to Dallas or Austin or San Antonio and I got to, you know, spend a, a weekend there or if there's a, a tournament a week-long tournament i gotta go somewhere and she's stuck here with the kids by herself right it's she's she's amazing for that and she's uh she's grown into it uh over time and kind of gotten gotten used to it and gotten adjusted to it so but it's important to have uh that kind of support in my house um, it helps that my kids played too, um, because she's been able to come out and see the environment and be involved in the environment when she's 
taking my daughter to practice and bringing her home and going to games and tournaments and things like that. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's helped her, you know, acclimate to the craziness of my world. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, she's phenomenal. And, uh, I couldn't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better with her here. So it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Last question I want to ask about is when I look back at, uh, you know, I look up SG one and I see the beard is not a, wasn't on the, the picture on the website. What, what's, is there a story with the, with the beard? Um, it's kind of like when people see you, that's kind of that first thing that people are, Oh, he's the coach with the bright silver grayish beard. Yeah. Um, not, it's funny because I, I, I started growing the beard six years ago, five years ago. Right. And it's been a wide variety of lengths in between, but my <laughs> wife likes it. I could shave it off and it wouldn't matter to me, but <laughs> Now, now it's taken on an identity, right? It's, <laughs> I can't, I couldn't cut it because nobody, I cut it two, two and a half years ago. I cut it two and a half years ago and it was as long as this almost, it was almost this long and I just completely went to the skin, right? And it grows about half an inch a month almost, right? That's how fast it grows. I've been keeping it this length because otherwise it'd be down to my stomach. And, um, uh, it was funny. I just, sh- I, d- I just got a spur up my rear end one day and I just, I just zzz, 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 shaved it all off. Right. And it was the middle of a school day and I went to pick my daughter up at school in the normal. She didn't recognize me. She had no idea where I was. She didn't think I was there. And I had to, I had to be like, Harper, I'm over here. Right. She was looking <laughs> around standing next to me. She was looking for me. And cause I look like a completely different person without it. And, um, so it was, uh, that was, it was, it's, it's quite funny, but, um, I'm enjoying it. And now my wife, my wife loves it. Uh, she says it makes me look rugged. And so <laughs> I think like I'm about to join ZZ top or I look like I'm <laughs> one of them, uh, dudes from duck hunting. Was that duck dynasty duck hunters oh, guys? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, um, but I like it. Everybody kind of, I can go anywhere right now. Dallas, Austin, and, and people who follow me on Twitter will recognize me wherever I go. I went to Dallas not that long ago. It was May for the next gen tournament. And people were who follow me who I'd never seen before just coming up to me and going, Coach Mike, I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> and I want to, and I'm like, wow, okay, cool. I guess I got to leave the beard because if I shave it off, nobody will recognize me. So. Uh, this chat has been awesome, Mike. And I'm going to go ahead and shut it down. This is Kieran Appreciate with Coach's it. Corner Chats with Mike Carroll, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button, and once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.